Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 202 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. It's going to be a fun show this time, or every week, I'd say. It's fun, I hope. But um, there's going to be a competition on this show also. We're going to dive through the review and preview parts. But, of course, it's now time to welcome my co-host, the man himself. It is, of course, the elusive Mr. Ayaz Sumra. Ayaz, how you doing? I'm good, Joe, yourself? Very good, my friend, very good. Right, let's dive straight into the review part of the show. We're going to start here at the Fantasy Springs Casino. Last Thursday, this one was, by the way, friend of the show, Blair Cobbs, managed to pick up a win. He remains undefeated, a ninth-round KO of a scheduled 10 against the also-undefeated Steve Villalobos. They both had identical records going in, 11-0 with one draw. But like I say, the victor, our good friend Blair Cobbs, very good fighter um, and, and very good personality. Also on that bill, we saw Luis Feliciano move to 13-0. He was able to beat another undefeated prospect Gennaro Gamez he's now 9-1 and one. it was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds there for Feliciano moving out now to the Central Park Community Center in Broken Arrow uh, Broken Arrow which is in Oklahoma USA Prospect at welterweight, I believe he's fighting at now. Jerome Ennis, 22-0, now 23-0. He actually made his opponent retire on his store after the very first round. His opponent, Franklin Mamani, 23-6 with one draw. Mamani was down in that first round. Uh, also on the bill, Shojahan Ergashev, a guy that got a questionable win over our friend Michael Fox. He's now 17-0. It was a TKO in the fourth round against Abdiel Ramirez, who... Is uh, who's now 24 and 5 with one draw. Ramirez was down in the second round, and like I say, the TKO came in round four. And Vladimir Shishkin moved to 9 and 0. Oh, it was a win against DeAndre Ware, uh, a TKO in the eighth round there for Shishkin, now 9 and 0, oh, like I say. Uh, moving out now to a bill that took place at the Takeda Teva Ocean Arena in Nagoya, Aichi, Japan. We have to mention over here, Kosi Tanaka, 14-0 now, a defense of his WBO World Flyweight title against Jonathan Gonzalez, now 22-3 with one draw. The TKO came in round seven for Tanaka, a brilliant fighter, Tanaka, one of those small guys, one of those little guys that just doesn't get the recognition because the lower weights just don't get it for whatever reason, but I'd like to see him in there with the likes of... You know, some of the other flyweights in the world, some of the other world-level flyweights like your Andrew Selby's, like your Charlie Edwards that we'll be talking about later on in the show. And moving out now to the Centro de Usos Multiples in Hermosillo, Sonora, Mexico. Over here, topping the bill, Juan 
Francisco Estrada. He was able to get the TKO in the ninth round against Dwayne Beamon. Now, now 16-2 and two with one draw. And like I say, Estrada, that was win number 40 for him. The big 40. He's got those three losses. It was a homecoming. It was a defense of his WBC World Superflyweight title. He didn't look all that good in the early kind of rounds. He, he didn't really look that impressive. Um, I'm not quite sure if he, if he uh, underestimated Beamon or whatever, but Eventually, he did get the knockout, and you know he started to take over a little bit late on. I think the experience, obviously, was with Estrada, and it seemed to play a factor there. Also on the bill, Shakram Giasov, good amateur. He's now 9-0. It was a knockout in the very first round against Dalis Perez. It was for the WBA International Super Lightweight title. Dalis Perez, very, 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 very disappointing performance. We've seen him. He's a gutsy guy. Um... And he got knocked out in a round, and to be honest, he got hit with a shot. It was about, I think it was probably about 30 seconds or something into the fight, and he gets hit with this shot, and he he easily could have got back up, and he decided to stay down. So it was a bit of a quit job, actually, after just 30 seconds. So I don't really want to see Dalis Perez again, unfortunately. I feel like, I feel like he really did take the easy way out there. Um, so yeah. I don't like to see that in a boxing ring. Obviously, it's easier said than done. I'm sitting here talking about it. I'm not getting in there having a fight, but I didn't really like to see that there from Perez. I know he's he's got much more than that about him, and he, he just took the easy way out, so quite shocking there. Also on the bill, our very own Liam Smith picked up win number 28. He's got the two losses and the one draw. He took on Mario Lozano, a guy, like I say, with, with a decent amount of wins, 33-9 and nine going in, but no real standout names in his wins, only standout names in his losses. He was actually TKO'd in seven rounds, so a good win there actually for Beefy. Moving down the card once again, the bronze medalist in the 2016 Olympic Games, Philippe Hergovic, now 9-0. and It was for the WBC International Heavyweight title. He was able to TKO Mario Heredia in three rounds. Heredia now 16-7 and with one draw. Like I say, Hergovic 9-0, and ticking all the boxes. Also on the bill, John O'Carroll, friend of the show, now 17-1 and with one draw. It was a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Eliazar Valenzuela, 20-11 and with four draws. Valenzuela, tough guy. Not the the best record obviously I've just said it there but um tough guy and he kind of is one of those guys he'll fight anyone he looked good I liked his hair and all the rest of it his hair was brilliant Jono's beard was brilliant the fight wasn't the best but Jono got the win and it was expected to go that way and moving out now to the tractor sport palace in Chelyabinsk Russia one fight to mention on the undercard actually um between Alexei Papin, who was 11-0, I think he was a kickboxing world champion, uh, he fought for the WBC Silver Cruiserweight title against Congolese fighter Ilunga Makabu, former opponent of Tony Bellew, um, obviously the brother to Martin Bacoli, and it ended up being a majority decision after 12 rounds in favour of the African fighter, one judge obviously had it a draw 114 114 and the two other judges agreed 113 well 115 113 in favor of Makabu the right man won I was I was happy to see that because it was a close enough fight where I think they could have probably jobbed him on the cards if they wanted to because it was real close but I certainly think the right man won Uh, Makabu did score a knockdown in the fight I can't remember what round it was He, he definitely scored a knockdown and then there was Another one before that where it probably should have been a knockdown, but the referee ruled it a slip. And I was thinking, because that round has probably gone down as a 10-9 round rather than a 10-8, has that 
Or is that going to cost him when the judges turn in their scorecards? And thankfully, you know, it didn't really play a factor. But good win for Makabu. He certainly deserved it. And um, I want to see Papin again because he's a tough guy and he's got a good tank. He probably had the better tank of the two. And I I just couldn't believe it went the distance because Papin, I think, was 11-0 with 10 knockouts. And obviously, Makabu, I think he'd only been the distance once. So both men had only been the distance once. And they're both huge punchers. And I just thought there's no way in hell this goes this goes the distance. I thought that Makabu would get the knockout, but no, it actually went the distance. And like I say, the right man won, but... No shame there from Papin. It was a big step up for him. He hasn't been a pro for too long. It was a huge step up in terms of levels there. And obviously the main event now, Ayaz, I'm going to throw it over to you first. Sergei Kovalev remains the champion, the WBO World Light Heavyweight Champion. A defense here. He's now 34-3 and three with one draw. A TKO against a very gutsy Anthony Yard friend of the show. He loses his O and he's now 18-1. and one, But boy, oh boy, did he leave it all in the ring. Brilliant. Performance. I mean, what can, what can I say? Uh, hats off to Anthony Yard, great fire. To be fair, it was experience versus uh, it's experience versus the younger man, and obviously this time experience won. Uh, with me, I think uh, personally, I think Anthony Yard from the first from the first round. Uh, you can see Kovalev loves uh, landers, uh, landed the jab. Second round, landed the jab. Yard wasn't really doing much. To be fair, it was it was going one way until the eighth round. That's when Yard came out and Yard was hitting him everywhere. You can tell that Kovalev was actually hurt in the eighth round, and I thought Yard, Yard was going to get him out. I remember in the eighth round, obviously Yard, uh, Kovalev's trainer, going like, "One more, one more punch, he lands on you. I'm pulling you out." And obviously that didn't happen. Obviously Kovalev regained uh, regained his energy back. Obviously Yard uh, from ninth round, I can tell you can tell he was really gassed out. He he burnt out all that energy out in round eight and round ten. Another another couple of round couple was just hitting him really uh, really good, uh, and the eleventh round, you can tell Yard was fully gassed out, and then Kovalev landed that uh, jab and knocked Yard out. I congratulate uh, Yard very big time. He fought um, he fought a guy that was basically one of the best fighters. He's beaten a lot of he's fought a lot of good good guys and beaten a lot of very good fighters. And you got to give hats off you got to give hats off to Kovalev as well. People thought a lot of people thought he was going to lose. Uh, many people thought that. Come fight week, yeah. A lot of people were analysing between Yard and Kovalev, and they thought that Kovalev was actually going to get actually going to get stopped. And obviously, they thought he's aged. But aged for me, yeah, uh, you can tell that age did not catch up with Kovalev. But um, like I said, it's another win for uh, it's an, it's a big win for Kovalev. Um, Yard, obviously, he's going personally. But if I was him, I shouldn't have. I wouldn't have taken the fight. I would have taken a fight like two, three fights later, and then I reckon Yard would have beaten Kovalev. But I mean. Yard will come back. Yard, for me, I think Yard should go for European Championship and we get a couple of big 10-rounders. Fight and fight at least another name, yeah? Two, three fights and go again. And I think I think that's what Yard should do. Obviously, um, even now he said he's got, he hasn't got an experienced team. Um, he did, His team did very, very good. Tundia Jai, a very brilliant coach. But, I mean, you, you win, you lose. Um, so, in my opinion, Yard, Yard, uh, Yard take that as a positive look. You're gonna come, he's going to come back as a stronger fight and I think he's going to win a world title. Yeah, still a young man, and he will certainly learn from that, you'd feel. Um, I'm going to just analyze the fight round by round. I don't really do this too often, but the first round was a cagey round. I mean, my heart was racing because I was just so emotionally invested in it, knowing Yard, you know, on a, on a personal-ish kind of level. He's a good, good guy, and I was so emotionally invested. It was like Fury Wilder all over again. Like, that fight just meant the world to me, and this fight was of of similar kind of 
importance, if you like. I really wanted Yard to win. And like I said, it was a cagey first round. Uh, Yard did seem very relaxed. I was happy to see that. I was happy to also see him let go of his own right hand a couple of times. But no one really landed anything too meaningful. I mean, Kovalev already was jabbing nicely. He didn't actually throw a right hand himself, Kovalev. And what worried me a little bit was that Yard was on the back foot for most of that first round. But again, it was good to see him throw that right hand. Because... You can freeze a little bit in a world title fight, or not even just a world title fight, but a big fight that you haven't been involved of anything, any you know anything like that before. You can freeze on the big stage, and just the fact that he was letting go of his right hand, he didn't seem afraid to commit. Um, I was, I, I, you know, I, I found that quite encouraging. I was pleased with that, and he was sitting back a little bit too much, just trying to counter. Um, you know, that, that kind of went hand in hand with. Kovalev's activity with a jab, so he won that round. The second round, it was another cagey round. I mean, Kovalev once again won the round with the jab. Yard was was obviously not over there to win on points, so I didn't think he'd be too bothered. Uh, the third round, kind of the same, the same sort of thing, really. Kovalev was was too active. Yard still hadn't actually took a right hand by that point. His elusiveness was real nice, Yard. He wasn't taking too much clean. But again, Kovalev's activity won him yet another round. In the fourth round, it was more of the same, but a couple of slightly worrying moments. I think Yard took some hefty-looking shots, uh, but he took them well. He took them well. You know, he didn't seem like he was bothered too much by them. But again, after four rounds, I had it 4-0 to zero in favor of the Russian. And that was the first point in the fight where Tunde talked to, to Anthony in the corner. Um, a third of the way through the fight, he's lost every round, and that was the first time he started talking. Now, obviously, there's comparisons to be drawn with Chris Eubank Sr. in the fact that Chris Eubank Sr. barely ever says anything in the corner. He stands there. He wasn't doing that kind of stuff. I don't want to criticize Tunde because I like Tunde. Tunde is another real good guy. But, you know, you probably should be talking to your fighter in the corner. Um, obviously, there's that weird factor that he doesn't follow anyone on Twitter at all, just like Chris Eubank Sr. So there's another comparison there. But, I mean, these are just silly little things. There's no real comparisons, I don't think, in terms of the way they train their fighter. And a lot of people are saying that Tunde, you know, didn't pull him out in the end, which I'm going to get onto. But it was all because he was saving face. He cares about himself more than Anthony Yard. All this kind of stuff. That is complete nonsense, man. A lot of people saying he needs to jack him in and go and get a different trainer. Again, I think it was Danny Cassius Connor who tweets a lot of outlandish things here and there. Some of it I agree with 100%, so that's why I follow him. But um, Danny Cassius Connor actually tweeted out saying that, um, you know, Tunde has taken Anthony Yard from a total novice right up to world level. How many coaches can say that they've done that with someone who's who's had no amateur background really at all? So, I thought that was just an amazing tweet because it's 100% true. So people that are criticizing Tunde, you know, and, and, and not criticizing Anthony Yard, actually being impressed with Anthony Yard, everything he's learned has come from Tunde. So let's, let's you know, let's channel, you know, channel the positivity both ways, really, because it, it is a team thing, especially in that camp there. Uh, round five, again, much better round from Anthony Yard. He was finally mixing it up with Kovalev. He made Kovalev take a big shot or two, but still the work rate of Kovalev won him the round on the jab. In the sixth round, a bit of a worrying sign. Anthony Yard, I think he was bleeding from the nose there. It was another round for Kovalev. The seventh round was a much better 
much better round from Anthony Yard. And I was starting to think, was it all along his game plan to kind of pace himself for the later rounds? Because I always said it, I felt like his gas tank would be better than an old Kovalev. I thought that he could probably pace himself the first half of the fight and come on strong. And it looked like he was doing exactly that. He started targeting the body big time in that seventh round. He was landing lovely hooks. He probably didn't do enough to win the round, but it was very, very encouraging seeing as it was round seven and he hadn't, you know, he hadn't even been past round seven in previous fights. He was going into an unknown territory, and especially at this level, like I say. So the first round where he, he had a shout of perhaps winning it was that seventh round. And then, of course, he came out in round eight, and boy, oh boy, he just poured on the pressure, and it was amazing to see it. Kovalev was on the ropes. I actually felt like the referee, I mean, he didn't jump in, but I've seen referees wave fights off you know, with with, with uh, less punishment than, than what we saw there. So I was just screaming my head off. I was screaming like some some absolute nutcase. I was screaming at the TV, come on, Anthony, go on, Anthony. It was just amazing. And he, he literally had him on the verge of being stopped. And you said there, rightly so, I had, that Buddy McGirt was was about to throw the towel in and um, Anthony just put it all on him and again I've seen referees stop fights like that so I thought he was going to get the stoppage and um, yeah he obviously didn't and Kovalev was a little bit saved by the bell I mean he, he, he looked to be all over the place but you know, the bell went at a good time. I don't think he was actually saved by the bell. Then, of course, in the ninth round, brilliant response from Kovalev. He came out and won the round like a true champion, and all of a sudden, Yard looked absolutely spent. And it was a big turning point in the fight. In the tenth round, as we say, Yard took such a beating in that tenth round, he was actually saved by the bell. I actually thought initially that the referee jumped in and waved it off. But actually, he was separating the two fighters because the bell had gone. Um, he had nothing left, really, Anthony Yard. And I actually thought to myself, the towel could have came in at that point. Um, it, it, it could have came in. But again, a lot of people after the event are saying, oh, no, you know, the, the, the towel should have came in, definitely, definitely. But I just felt at the time it could have came in. But, you know, we're all experts after the event and... I'm not sure I would have thrown it in if it was me because Steve Bunce in the post-fight interview highlighted it's not like you're you're putting him back out for another round and he's just a boxer and he's going to box and move. He's a banger yard. And we saw, this is a key factor that no one's talked about, when Anthony Yard had Kovalev going and he was about to get knocked out, Anthony Yard finished himself. He absolutely emptied his tank. So the next round he was spent. Whereas... When the same kind of thing happened, I think Yard took much more punishment in round 10, but it was similar-ish. He, you know, he was on the verge of being stopped. I was thinking, hey, in round 11, maybe Kovalev has, has, has emptied his tank as well, you know? So that was, that was an interesting thing when, when round 11 started. And in round 11, Yard, you know, Yard did actually fight okay in the early parts of it but he was fighting on pure heart he didn't recover at all from being hurt in the 10th he was absolutely done exhaustion was the main factor there and you know he obviously ends up getting knocked out knocked out with a jab that he basically jumped into so he was gone he was on the floor and also in that round he got thrown on the floor by Kovalev and he hit his back pretty hard on the canvas he's a big lump Anthony and it seemed to knock the you know knock the air out of him kind of thing I think that was another you know to climb up off the canvas after being thrown down like that that takes a bit of energy out of you that kind of zapped him a little bit as well you know he got that little zap there and that probably played a, a little part in him being even more fatigued when he got knocked down 
the referee jumped in. Obviously, it, you know, it was it was a definite, a fair stoppage. I can't remember if he counted to... T- did he count to t- I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, um, he, he took a bit of a beating in that 11th round. It was sad to see. And I think it was Gamal Yafai tweeted out, I can't help but think Buatsi would have stopped him in, in round eight. And it's like, would Buatsi have even got to round eight? Like, we, we, you know, you can't just assume people are going to do these amazing things in the pros. He hasn't beaten anyone yet. And prior to this fight, neither had Anthony Yard. Anthony Yard proved here that he can hang with these guys. He's, he's right up there on the world level. Our best two light heavyweights in Britain, whether you like it or not, our best two are Callum Johnson and Anthony Yard. They've both fought for world titles. Um, they've both had the champion going. I mean... Obviously, Johnson was able to put Baturbiev down on the floor, but Yard almost had Kovalev out of there. And both men obviously ended up getting knocked out after that. But, you know, they've proved that they can hang with champions. Boatsy's yet to do that. Anyone else on that on that domestic scene is yet to do that. So let's just let's just hold our horses there. Um definitely Yard has proved himself there and he's answered a lot of questions. We know that he's got a real good chin, even though a lot of people were doubting that. Um, and he's got a good gas tank. I actually felt like uh, Kovalev got a second wind, whereas Anthony just had a, a first wind all the way through. He, he didn't regain anything. He just seemed to tire and tire and tire. And if a second wind would have came in the later rounds, it could have been different, but it just didn't. You know, Smart, smart fight fought there from Kovalev. He didn't overexert himself when he was winning with a jab. He didn't try and hurt him early. It was a clever, clever fight. Uh, great tactics from Kovalev, and again, that post-fight interview was brilliant, where he came over and said to Anthony Yard, he's going to be a champion for sure, that was a real touch of class there, um, but yeah, that that's about everything with that one, I, I we, we went to the predictions on it, obviously, I as you went with Anthony Yard to win uh, by knockout, I went with Kovalev to win by knockout, so did the listeners, I, I hoped I'd be wrong, but you know, we both gained a point there, sadly. Um, but yeah, moving out now to the final bill to review. It happened at the Burt Ogden Arena in in uh, in Texas, USA. This one was on Fox Sports One. We got to see top of the bill, friend of the show, Brandon Figueroa, moved to twenty and zero. It was for the interim WBA World Super Bantamweight title. He got a defense there, Figueroa, against Javier Chacon, who's now twenty nine and five with one draw, a knockout in the fourth round for Brandon Figueroa. Um, again, I've said enough words on him last week very very exciting uh exciting style fan friendly style good guy very humble and he's got a bright future and he's just blown a guy out of there once again so uh, big big fights for him down the line and um certainly one to watch figure really really on the verge of fighting for a full world title rather than uh, keep defending his interim but yeah very good fight art certainly one to watch and congrats to him but that's about everything for the review part of the show just before we wrap up part one the last thing to do is to welcome our very first guest Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome one of the very best trainers that Britain has to offer. It is, of course, Mr. Peter Fury. Peter, welcome back on the show. How are you, man? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, just uh, relaxing now. All the hard work's been done. Um, looking forward to fight night. Absolutely. And like I say, we haven't spoken for for quite a while. It's been about 17 months. I think it was just before Huey's fight against Sam Sexton. But as the saying goes, ladies first. I want to ask quickly about Savannah Marshall. She's now signed a deal with Matram. Onwards and upwards, I'm guessing, for her now? Yeah, very much so. Uh, Savannah, Savannah's a fabulous talent. And um, we're looking forward, hopefully, getting this fight out of the way on the 31st. She's going to fight again on the Newcastle show. Um, and I and I think I do believe 
Eddie's told me that's going to be, going to be a final eliminator for the world title. So she should uh, hopefully get a, a world title shot, preferably this year. Excellent stuff. And like I say, your son Huey takes on Alexander Povetkin on Saturday. It's another mm-hmm. massive fight for Huey. Now, I know Huey would fight pretty much anyone, but as his trainer, as his father, was there any hesitation from you in accepting this fight? Because there's no doubt in it's a very tough one, especially for his first fight with Matram. Yeah, I think um, there's no doubt whatsoever. You know, these are the type of fights we want. And, uh, you know, if you, if you want to do good things in boxing, you know, you've got to step up. And, um, you know, and this is Huey's time to show the world what he's capable of. And uh, there's no better platform to do it on. So not only was it, it was a big announcement to uh, to go with Sky <coughs> Matchroom Boxing with Huey, we thought, what a way to announce it and uh, take... Uh, one of the best fights out there, so that's what we've done. And where is Huey at in your mind, Peter? I mean, obviously he made the gallop to world level. I personally thought he beat Joseph Parker, but he didn't get the decision. Then he, he dropped down to British level and proved that he's miles above that level, really. And then, of course, he boxed Pulev. I know the circumstances with the cup before and during the fight played a big part, but obviously he came up short that night. Right now, is is Huey European level? Is he world level? Where do you believe he's at? I believe on the... Let's just see what he does on the 31st and then everybody can make their mind up. I think he's been on the world level for a long time and people just underestimate his ability. He's a, he, is a quality box, he is a quality boxer, so it's going to be interesting. But he's on, the, he's on the world stage and he belongs in these kind of fights. And on the 31st this Saturday, people are going to see why. And when Huey signed with Matram, it really did take a lot of people by surprise, myself included. Uh, When he signed to Povetkin again in his first fight, people were shocked. Is there a rush to get back to world level? Because, you know, Huey's still so young and everyone seems to forget that, probably but yourselves. Yeah, he's so young, but let's put it this way. There's no rush to get him back anywhere. It's just, it's where he's at and and if he's ready. And he's ready for the big fight, so... You know, there's no rush with a 24-year-old. But like I said, he's far ahead of his years. He's very experienced. Don't forget, he's had 25 fights. He fought for world titles, world title eliminators. He's been in some good opposition already. So he ticks all the boxes. So like I said, it is, uh, these are the fights. This is the level he's at. And this is why we took this fight. And what should we expect to see from Huey on Saturday night? I'm not asking you to divulge the game plan, but I'm guessing his most important weapon, particularly in this fight, will probably be his jab, which is a great jab. Yeah, he's got a great jab. He's got to do a lot more. So I, I think we're going to a, a lot of rounded off with Huey Fury. He's going to take it, like I said, I keep saying tick the boxes, but he's going to let his shots go a lot more. And he's going to see more of a polished fighter, you know, so... There's going to be a lot more people going to see what they've not seen before in him. So, like I said, it's going to be very interesting. Um, you know, and, um, you know, people are going to see how he's progressing and how much more mature he's getting in the ring. And a win over Povetkin. Um, what, what would you want next for him after that, Peter? Or are you not really looking that far ahead? I want to look that far ahead. With these serious fights, you, you know, it'd be a fool to do that. So, let's get this fight out of Let's just see where we are. And I know that when Huey was getting ready for Parker, you'd have watched the Parker-Andy Ruiz fight multiple times. So you probably weren't as shocked as others when Ruiz pulled off the upset against Joshua. The rematch happens December 7th in Saudi Arabia. Who wins that rematch for you, Peter? We was due to, uh, Huey was due to fight, to fight Ruiz before he opted to fight Parker. 
So we know all about Ruiz. I've known of him for quite a long while. I think he's a very, very good box fighter. You know, and like I said, he trains properly. He's a series contender. So it's like I've said, if Ruiz properly dedicates and he trains like a champion and he really wants to keep hold of the belt, then I think I think this fight in Saudi is a genuine 50-50 fight. It can go either way. But I think if it goes to his head a little bit and he cuts corners in training and he believes the hype that he can just blow Joshua away again, then Joshua will come away with the victory with pretty much ease. Joshua has to just focus on getting the belts back at any cost. You know, not rather just pleasing the public. He needs to just do his own thing, you know, and uh, box and be sensible. Did you happen to see any of, because uh, you just said there about Andy Ruiz obviously having to take this fight so serious, real serious in the rematch. Did you see any of the videos from his birthday party the other day? They were quite they were quite hilarious. I didn't. Oh man, Peter, honestly, he, he had naked women with sushi all over him. It was just crazy. He, he's really partying hard for his birthday there. Um, <laughs> hopefully he's training hard. Um, any closing words, Peter, at all, just before I let you go to our listeners? Like I say, we haven't spoke for a while. Any closing words from yourself at all? Yeah, I hope the fans enjoy a good night of boxing, and uh, I wish all the fighters on the bill uh, good luck. And uh, for every fight, the main thing is to come out healthy. All fighters uh, are not seriously injured. That's it. Well said, Peter. Listen, it is always a pleasure catching up with you. I truly mean that. Thank you so much for your time, and best right. of luck with Huey on Saturday night. No problem. All the very best. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. Ayaz, take it away. Dave Allen will return uh, to the ring on October the 19th on the Robbie Davis Jr. v. Lewis Ritson fight. Yeah, obviously fighting on the undercard. No opponent just yet for Dave Allen, but a return to the ring even sooner than David Price has returned after David Price come out the victor in that fight there. Um, Yeah, I mean... I don't know who he's going to fight. It's not going to be anyone of note you wouldn't have thought. I honestly think he should hang up the gloves, but it is what it is. If he wants to fight, if he's healthy, then fair enough. I like Dave Allen first and foremost, but I don't want him to hang around too long with his style. Final news that Tony Yoko will face uh, Michael Wallace in a heavyweight clash on September 20th in Nantes, France. Yeah, Michael Wallace, a guy who, if I'm not mistaken, was an undefeated prospect until he bumped into Christian Hammer. Um, Christian Hammer fought him before he fought Luis Ortiz, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so yeah, he lost his O to Hammer. Then he went on to take uh, to take a fight with Effie Jagba, and he lost to a Jagba by knockout in two rounds. So that kind of showed there he's not really as good as his his record looked at the time. I think he was 19 and 0. Um, he's got one win since the Jagba fight against a guy who was five and four, and now he's taking on an Olympic gold medalist. Really should have been an Olympic silver medalist, Tony Yoka, if you remember correctly. But um, yeah, he's, you wouldn't have thought he's going to really be any match for Tony Yoka, but it's another step up, I suppose, for Mr. Yoka. Uh, that's about everything. Though we've got to report the news, even if it's, it's not too interesting. Yep, and that's it for the news. Okay, thank you very much. I as right. Let's get on to the to the uh, to the competition now. This is this is a fun competition that we did a while back. It is a competition that I actually forgot we'd done. Um, so so basically, the competition was on Twitter, and we had an entry on Instagram. I've completely forgot who sent it in. Now I know it was my guy from my guy from the Netherlands. I've I forgot what he what he'd said. So I've lost that screenshot. But I tell you what, I'm going to give you a T-shirt because I should have remembered. 
I should have remembered to get the screenshot. I know you left it on a on a on a post on Instagram somewhere. So please DM me your address. Uh, my man from Netherlands used to always comment on our YouTube. I've completely forgot his username right now. But anyway, shout out to you. You're getting a T-shirt. But the competition itself, uh, this one was was for um, was 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 for. Uh, we did a little fun competition. It was name a boxing trainer and then name what funny slash odd slash unusual job they would suit if they weren't training people to fight. And we had some good ones coming. We had this one here from at the boxing madman. Uh, he says Adam Booth. I can see him being a trolley collector at Tesco's in Watford. <laughs> Um, the boxing madman actually called me a matchroom fanboy the other day, so he, his entry is void. Um, also, we got from at Barry Dav White. He said, Joe Goosen, I think he could make a career hosting holiday experiences, giving punters the chance to herd cattle, <laughs> herd cattle authentically across the Midwest. <laughs> That's a blinder there. And this one's from at Joe65396818. I think he's already got a t-shirt, but he sends in Ben Davison, lion enclosure at Chester Zoo. Short and sweet. We know that Ben Davison likes that likes the, the the lions um talking of people that like lions and big cats and primates i i see a video the other day of dmitry kudryashov the russian hammer the the guy that has, has never gone the distance he either knocks you out or gets knocked out again in his last fight he got stopped by makabu he's got a pet a pet tiger i saw him playing within his in his living room uh, this one's from at ricey underscore sufc he says i could see joe gallagher being a northern delboy working on the market selling knockoff gear um, I actually think that I can I can kind of I'm going to ask you this Ayaz if Joe Gallagher had another job and it wasn't a boxing trainer what would it be because for me I think he I think he'd be a good butcher and I also think he'd be he'd be pretty fit into like owning like a, a like a removal company where he kind of helps you move into your new house carrying your sofa I can see him doing that I can't see that. I can't even see him being a strict examiner. Oh my lord! You know what? You're you're dead right. You're dead right. He marks the exam papers. Yeah, that's 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 actually a shout there. And this one's from at said a mama. Uh, she says Adam Booth as a. <laughs> what do you think about this? Guy? She says Adam Booth as a salsa dance instructor. <laughs> now I can see them do that because the way the way he just like sometimes like dancing around in his videos. <laughs> oh my god I, i've just got this vision now i as of of uh of, of him instructing you on how to do salsa and you can probably because the boxing madman said that he's he's a trolley collector at tesco's they like to wear high-vis jackets when they're when they're collecting the trolleys i've just got this 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 picture of you and adam booth in your high-vis is doing salsa so i tell you what so already my man in in the Netherlands is getting one, but but I'm gonna give it to the first person, the first person out of these two potential winners. So I like the Joe Goosen one where the the punters get a chance to herd cattle authentically across the Midwest. That one was from at Barry Dav White. If you tweet me first or inbox me or whatever at Box Hard Podcast on Twitter, you're getting a T-shirt. The other the other contender, Sedam Amma, if she. That's a lady that boxes. Uh, she she definitely is overdue a t-shirt. If if you get back to me, Sedum, before before uh, Barry Dav White does, then you will get a t-shirt. So whoever's first, it's it's up to you guys. 
it's out of you two. So two winners on this week's on this week's competition at Sedum Ammon at Barry Dav White. Whoever tweets me first gets a t-shirt in whichever size that you require. Um, also, for anyone else out there that could be listening that's got a t-shirt, send in a picture because we we send them out and we don't even hear anything back. It's just yeah thanks for the t-shirt it's it's great to actually see it on you you know there, there was a post i did the other day a few people left their their t-shirts their their pictures in the t-shirts underneath the post try and look for that send them in it's it's brilliant it's brilliant we're we're all a we're all a family here uh but yeah getting back to the to the preview part of the show we're going to start here we've only got three cards to go over we're going to start here at the bendigo stadium in victoria australia um it is Jeff Horn, I as nineteen and one with one draw. It's for the WBA Oceana middleweight title against former Kell Brook opponent Michael Zarafa. Uh, twenty six and three could be interesting there. Not quite sure what weight. Oh no, it's a, it's at middleweight. So Zarafa against Jeff Horn. I mean, uh, not I don't know. Jeff Horn at middleweight. I just I just can't wrap my head around that. Uh, but Zarafa actually gave a few problems to Kell Brook, embarrassingly as it was. Um, so yeah. That that could be interesting, but certainly not worth waking up early for or staying up late for there. Uh, moving now to the big card of the weekend. It's happening at the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. On the undercard, we've got Savannah Marshall, 6-0. and uh, She hasn't got an opponent just yet. Also on the bill for the vacant WBA International Light uh, light lightweight title. We've got James Tennyson, twenty-four and three, former world title challenger. He takes on Atif Shafiq, twenty-one and two. That's a ten rounder there. I'm expecting Tennyson to probably get the knockout. Um Shafiq defensively is actually pretty good, but Tennyson's so strong at that weight, you know, at, at lightweight. In fact he's moved up actually. I think he was at Super Fe- yeah, he was at Super Feather before, so that'd be interesting actually. Uh, also on the bill we've got Joe Cordina, nine and oh. He fights for the British lightweight title against Gavin Gwynn, eleven and oh. Somebody's oh must go. It's a Welsh a uh, bit of Welsh Welsh beef, I suppose, right there. Not Mexican beef, but Welsh beef over 12 rounds there. Uh, also on the bill, Josh Buatzi, 11-0. He takes on Ryan Ford, 16-4, the Canadian fighter. I think he's in his mid-30s. He, um, he originally, um, a long time ago, I think he was 14-0 undefeated. He was supposed to take on Anthony Yard, and then he pulled out. And he ended up having a few losses in a row. He's really not as good as what we thought he was when he was 14-0. Um, he's in there against Buatzi. You've got a Put a hundred pound on Boatsy to win to get one pound back, so uh, not not close in the eyes of the bookies there. Uh, also, Huey Fury twenty three and two. Obviously, we spoke to Peter Fury earlier on in the show. He's going for another win here against Alexander Povetkin. Povetkin thirty four and two. Obviously, those two losses have came to Joshua and to Vladimir Klitschko. So, if Huey Fury, a non world title holder, can actually get a win over Povetkin, even if he is up in age, it's a huge statement. That one's going to be really interesting. We've actually gone to the predictions on that. I has how do you see it? Huey Fury against Alexander Povetkin. Oh, that's a very tough fight. But if I'm going to go with a win, if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to go with Huey Fury to win my points. I'm going to agree with you, Ayers. I think Huey Fury is going to probably make it boring. He's going to have to use his feet a lot. He's not going to want to let Alexander Povetkin get on the inside. He's going to have to keep moving um, away from Povetkin's big left hook. And I can see him just jabbing his way to a points win, actually. Uh, but the listeners are going with Povetkin by knockout. 
so hopefully that doesn't happen obviously Huey Fury friend of the show also on the bill Charlie Edwards 15 and 1 it's the defense of his WBC world flyweight title he takes on Julio Cesar Martinez Aguilar 14 and 1 Aguilar obviously the guy in his last fight knocked our very own Andrew Selby out I as so Charlie Edwards credit to him for taking on this guy who knocked Andrew Selby out how do you see this one playing out tough 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 fight that's gone under the radar I think it's a tough, tough fight, but if I'm going to go with him, and I'm going to go Charlie Edwards to win by points. Charlie Edwards on points. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Um, I just I just don't want this guy to land a similar kind of body shot that he landed on Andrew Selby, because this guy is actually coming off one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight stoppages in a row. So he's he's quite a tough guy. And the one guy that gave him a loss, it was actually on his debut, he avenged it. So you may as well say he's un, he's undefeated, you know. Um, but yeah, Charlie's big for flyweight and he just needs to box and move a, a typical kind of Charlie Edwards performance, really. I think Charlie Edwards is, is, is very good boxing on the back foot, boxing at range, whereas Selby does sometimes like to get a little bit lazy with his... He's got brilliant footwork, but he likes to get a little bit lazy, get a little bit too involved sometimes and stand there a bit square on, likes to kind of trade sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's got him in trouble. He was on the deck against Rosales doing that. But, um, you know, he didn't fight a great a great fight there. He went out there, not enough time to adjust to the climate and and the uh, the high the high sea level and stuff like that. Um, not really making excuses. It was a perfect shot and uh, it was placed brilliantly by Martinez Aguilar. So that's a tough fight there for Charlie Edwards. But topping the bill, Vasily Lomachenko has for the vacant WBC, the WBA Super and the WBO World Lightweight titles against our very own golden boy Luke Campbell, friend of the show. 20-2 and two, Luke Campbell. Obviously those two losses, one two uh, to Eva Mendy, which he came back and avenged, and the other two... Jorge Linares in a fight that was very close. He probably probably just, just, just missed out because he was on the deck early. I think it was the first round. And that's probably what cost him, really, from winning the fight. Um, so, yeah, very good fighter, Luke Campbell. And I'm just going to say my, my little piece here. Luke Campbell is absolutely huge for lightweight. Uh, Lomachenko... You know, he's boxed at lightweight. He's had a little bit of trouble there with Pedraza. He had a little bit of trouble with Linares. He was on the deck himself. So Linares has put both of them down, actually, um, which you can't say for many fighters. But, yeah, Lomachenko hasn't looked his dominant self like he was in the lower weights. You know, he's 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 a bit small, really, for lightweight. And, um, you know, he's had the trouble there. Obviously, he beat Crawler with ease, but he's had the trouble with Pedraza and Linares. And I just think against... Um, you know, a guy as, as as technically good as as our very own Luke Campbell, and because he's so big for the weight, I don't see many people talking about the size difference. The size difference is enormous, so I think it's you know I'm, it's, I can't really go against Lomachenko because he is just a complete phenom. But I don't think it's going to be as wide as what people think. I think Lomachenko wins, but wins on points. Um, in in a toughish fight, I think you know I think Luke's going to have to go to to Lomachenko's body, which is a great shot. He likes to go to the body, Luke, and he's a brilliant fighter. So I'd love to see him do it, but I just think Loma's going to get it on points. The listeners think that Lomachenko is going to get it, um, going to get it by knockout. And also for the Edwards fight, uh, the the listeners also agree with me and you as their guy in Edwards on points. Uh, so yeah, how do you see it, Lomachenko and our very own Luke Campbell? But Lomachenko is a technician when it comes to boxing. Luke Campbell is much bigger than Lomachenko, obviously. Size-wise, height-wise, reach-wise. 
But obviously, you, you know, Loma, Loma Tenko, he's, he's technically gifted and uh, like a magician. And a te- he's a technician when it comes to boxing. So if I'm going to go with a win, I think it's going to be a game of chess. But if I'm going to go with a win, I'm going to have to go with Lomachenko to win by points. I think Lomachenko, with, uh, with his pivoting and moving, I think he's just going to outbox Luke Campbell. Yeah, I mean, I hope that you're wrong. I hope that Luke Campbell can win, but it's, it's a tough, tough, tough ask. Uh, so much so, because the people that follow the Box Hard podcast are not idiots. The people that follow us on Twitter, know what they're talking about. And looking at the poll, no one, actually 0% of people went with Campbell by knockout and only 3% went with Campbell on points. We had 62% Loma by knockout, 35% Loma on points. So that's how one-sided our followers and listeners see that fight. So that was a bit worrying seeing that. But I think it's closer than a lot of people think it will be. But again, I think... I hope I'm wrong, but I think Loma will win um, on on points. But um, yeah... It's, it's just brilliant to have someone who is just a phenom, arguably one of the best in our generation, for sure. You know, in this generation, he's just unbelievable. Um, to have him over here on British shores is is a brilliant thing. Obviously, the way in tomorrow, I'm hoping to attend that one. Um, and yeah, that one is, is uh, the old Spitalfields market tomorrow. Then obviously, fight night on Saturday. If you can't be there, then certainly tune in because it's a decent card. Uh, but yeah, it's brilliant to have Loma over here in London. And the final bill to mention happens at the Minneapolis Armory in Minnesota, USA. It's going to be on Fox. We've got Eris Landy Lara, 25 and 3 with 3 draws. It's for the vacant WBA World Super Welterweight title. He takes on brother of Canelo, Ramon Alvarez, 28 and 7 with 3 draws. That's a 12-rounder there. Eris Landy Lara, even though you'd have to say he's over the hill now, he's took a couple of losses, he still gives everyone trouble. And Ramon Alvarez, the last fight I saw of his is when he got stopped by Brandon Rios. I mean, I just can't see him really giving anything to, to trouble Lara. And I, I can't really believe that it's actually for a WBA world title. That's mad. I mean, I don't know what what Lara's done to kind of deserve that, really. He, he's on the decline a little bit. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't throw some other guys in there. And again, Ramon Alvarez, what has he done? He'd been knocked out by uh, Rios. I think that was... That was in the last 12 months, I think. So how on earth has he got himself into position? I'll never know. But it is what it is. It is boxing. It is the WBA. We belt anyone is what some people say about the WBA. But that is it for the preview part of the show. We've done the competition. We brought you the first guest. We brought you the review. The last thing to do now to finally end it all is to welcome our second and final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome, fresh off his win last Thursday, Mr. Blair the Flair Cobbs. Blair, welcome back on the show. Hey, hey. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, Blair. So, of course, like I say, fresh off your ninth round KO win over Steve Villalobos. Please talk us through the fight. Real exciting one. Yes, yes. It was was very exciting. I had tons of fun um, displaying my skills that night. I mean, obviously, well, I don't know if you know this, but it wasn't televised over here, so it was very hard to see bits of it. Um, I, I do want to watch it back, but for now, I haven't seen it. Just if you can give us a little bit more detail on what, what, what I'm going to see or what anyone who's listening, if they want to watch it, is going to see. <laughs> um, what you're going to see is an action-packed fight with Blair the Slayer. Um, I describe it as more so like a night at the theater it's it's got a, it's action-packed with highs and lows um it's got a it's, it's just beautiful um what you have here is me boxing boxing brilliantly off the you know in the beginning in the early stages then it starts to break even and then i get knocked down i get knocked down in the sixth round and then i have to battle through diversity 
to um to fight back in um and win a tremendous knockout performance in the ninth round. And I did actually see the finishing shot. I mean, you caught him with a beautiful right uppercut that made him do the moonwalk, if you like, back into the ropes. Um, so a brilliant finishing shot there. Would you say that's probably the most exciting fight you've had so far as a pro? Perhaps your favorite, even. Um, I think so because it 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 just it displayed a lot of heart, a lot of uh, determination. It showed people the true nature of greatness when it comes to boxing. And um, I love I love the fact that I had the opportunity to uh, to display those uh, those abilities and and those talents in the ring with with such a fighter as Villalobos, an uh, undefeated fighter. Yeah, of course, identical records going in. Now we last spoke back in March, so I think it was just after the Corobium fight. You also in that time uh, boxed Robert Redmond. Um, another routine win for you that one there. Yeah, um, well, all three of those fighters are uh, are undefeated. Redman was technically undefeated too. He just was uh, on the back end of some some bad uh, some controversial uh, decisions, judgment. Uh, yeah, judgment decisions. But um, yeah, that's three back to back undefeated fighters that have not only displayed tremendous skills, but uh, trem- um, displayed tremendous heart and dedication to the sport and had an incredible uh, show out. And what is the plan? Because, incredible performance. Yeah, for sure. And and what is the plan, Blair? Because you're, you know, you're being matched up with these guys that are, you know, they're fellow prospects. They're, 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 you know, kind of at similar stages of their career still on me up. Are we going to see you perhaps in the near future, in the near future with someone that has more experience than you, uh, you know, rather than fighting guys that are at the kind of same stage, like I say, are we going to see you with more experienced guys in the near future? Well, these, these last three uh, fights were my breakout fight for the, for the, the biggest breakout year. Um, my next, my next few fights most likely will be against uh, people that have a lot of experience, but maybe, but maybe definitely not as tough as the last three fighters. Um, but um, I look forward to not too far from now looking on getting a world title very soon. Um, I'm, I'm developing myself and um, developing my brand, developing my uh, my character and my persona. Blair Cobbs is a must-see television special. Blair Cobbs is going to be a um, a household name. And I look forward to putting on big shows with some of the top welterweight fighters and um and even higher. And when in a weight class. When do you plan to box next, Blair? Will it be once again before the year's out? Um, I believe so. We should have at least one more fight before the year is up. Um, we we're, we're uh, I'm still in negotiations, making sure that everything's okay. Um, as far as uh my health, and then also, um, just seeing what what else is on the table. Um. You know, they're, they're, we're running out of options as far as <laughs> prospects. Um, I done, I done demolished three of them. <laughs> and and of course, the welterweight division, <laughs> the welterweight division has has changed ever so slightly since we last spoke. It was it was a great fight between Manny Pacquiao and Keith Thurman. Manny got the win. Uh, you know, a, a guy that you've 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 admired for many years. Um, we, we've also got to look forward to Spence and Porter. That one coming up soon. How do you how do you see that fight playing out, Blair? Oh man, I I, I don't know. I I would love to see how it play out. I haven't seen um, too many uh, people that were able to test 
defense. I believe this will be a really good test of of, of his skills and his determination as a uh, as a world champion. Um, I know we already know how how uh, Sean Porter is going to come in, and he's just going to come in with a whole lot of pressure, a whole lot of power. But um, I love to see what's going to happen. Um, me personally, I think that Spence might edge him out with a uh, technique and boxing ability. And he's going to, me personally, I think in my mind that he's going to try to create distance by backing up and um, and landing nice, solid uh, counter punches to stop uh, to stop Porter from just lunging in and, and creating mayhem like he always do. And I'm not trying to press you to call anyone out or anything, but have you got any kind of names on your on your radar right now for guys that you want to fight in the near future? It doesn't have to be next; it can be within the next twelve months. Anyone at all? Um, I look fi- I look forward to fighting any one of those fighters that we just that we just spoke about. Even Pacquiao, I look forward to fighting any of those any of those top fighters, those type uh top champions, um, in the near future. I look forward to fighting anybody that's uh that's in the top 10. Um, I don't really have any names, but, uh, but all of them are, uh, all of them are, uh, a target for me. And I want to ask you, Blair, what do you get up to in your spare time? I see a little clip earlier of you playing the guitar. Um, you, you enjoy playing the guitar. What songs can you play on the guitar? Oh man, I play a lot of, a lot of songs <laughs> and my, uh, my genre kind of is pretty rangy. Um, I love rock and roll. I love alternative. I, I love all kinds of music. I even play a couple little hip hop songs here and there, like Drake and stuff like that. I play a lot of things. Can you do the Narcos theme tune? Yeah, I could probably do that. I can literally pretty much play anything I want to play. Honestly, <laughs> like I'm I'm to that point where I could I could play almost anything. It's, as long as I got enough time to actually practice, I could play pretty much anything I want. I, I like "Stairway to Heaven" sounds great on a guitar. That if you can do that, that's impressive. Yeah, Good. yeah, I play that. I can, I can definitely play that. Next time we do an interview, yeah. I'm looking to hear that one from you, Blair. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. One of my favorite songs is, is from Leonard Skinner, um, called uh, "Simple Man." Okay. That's that's a beautiful song. I love that song. Oh man! Yeah, I love "Hurt" from uh, from Johnny Cash, the Johnny Cash version oh, of "Hurt." That's a beautiful song. I, I love all I love all music. Definitely. But um, I'm I'm very I very I'm very much in love with the old the old you know singers and and songwriters back in the day, like you know like Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and um. Jimi Hendrix. Oh, <laughs> I love, I love them all. You're naming all the, the old is gold. You're naming some brilliant, brilliant musicians there. But definitely next time, yeah, that's, that's uh, when, next time I want to hear yeah, some. Yeah, that Blair, was the golden sure. year. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but listen, Blair. Just before I let you go, my friend, I want to give you an opportunity just to send out a final message to your UK supporters over here. Every fight you have, you seem to be gathering more and more followers from the UK. What's your message to your supporters from overseas? My message is to look out for me on Instagram and Facebook at Blair the Flair. And on and for more exciting content, look up BlairTheFlair.com. Woo! 
Nobody does it better, baby. Nobody at all. Listen, Blair, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Congrats once again on the win, and we shall speak again real soon. Thank you very much. Okay, and this wraps up episode 202 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. I as Sumra has been I as Sumra. A massive thank you to our two guests on this week's show, the world-class boxing trainer Peter Fury and the undefeated welterweight prospect Mr. Blair Cobbs. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show. Friend of the show, Archie Sharp, he's had his next fight announced. It's going to be against Ireland's Declan Geraghty on September 27th on the undercard of Dubois vs. Tet at the Royal Albert Hall. The Prediction League is back this week. The current scoreboard reads myself in the lead, the reigning champion on 14 points, while I, as and you, the listeners, are joint second place with eight points. Best of luck with the predictions this weekend. Remember, there's going to be more T-shirt competitions happening very soon. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's show. Enjoy your weekends, people, and we shall see you all again next week.